Welcome to BDO To Go, casual industry conversation brought to you by the restaurant industry professionals at BDO. The constantly evolving landscape of the industry forces operators and owners to adapt quickly and maintain a keen awareness of consumer and economic shifts. Understanding these business impacts and insights is key to the continued success and resilience of the restaurant industry. That's why we crafted our new BDO To Go podcast series, a monthly podcast that you can take to go. Now, here's your host, Jeff Tuba. Welcome back to another episode of the BDO To Go Restaurant Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Tuba. As always, we encourage you to click the subscribe button to automatically download our episodes as they come out. And we also welcome you to rate our podcast. We truly hope you enjoy the content that you can take with you on the go. Today, Dana Zakowski will be talking with Andrew Boger, founder and CEO of BCD. Let's dig in with Dana and Andrew. Thanks, Jeff, so much for that great introduction. And as you mentioned, today we are here with Andrew Moger, the founder and CEO of BCD. Hi, Andrew. Thank you for joining us today. Hey, Dana. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Of course. So usually I like to start with a little story about how we know each other or where we met or something like that. But I think after being together a few weeks ago and trying to figure that out, we couldn't. But I do know that over the past 10 plus years, you've been a go-to resource for me for all things real estate and related, as well as more recently, different investment properties, whether they different investments, whether they be with restaurant groups or technology or other restaurant related stuff. So I think today let's talk about all of it. So why don't you start? That sounds good. Thanks. So why don't you start today? Give us a little bit of background on you, BCD, how you got started and we'll go from there. Sure. Well, uh, BCD is a uh, real estate brokerage firm, uh, and we specialize uh, in tenant representation. So uh, we uh, do not represent landlords, so you won't see our signs on on buildings. Um, We specifically focus on uh, tenants. And even more specifically, uh, we focus in the restaurant space and food and beverage clients. So uh, we're a, we're a boutique business with a, a very narrow niche in finding uh, uh, space for restaurant brands. Uh, we're, we're based in New York City. Uh, most of our work uh, is in the New York City metro area, so not just New York City, but the but the surrounding uh, suburbs. Uh, but we do work with certain clients on a uh, national basis. So if uh, Usually when the clients with whom we work in the New York metro area are looking to scale outside of New York, we'll, we'll, we'll work with them and, and figure out how to extend the strategy we've executed in, in this market to, to markets outside uh, of this area. Uh, and then separately, we have um, BCD Strategic Investments, which is, uh, as you mentioned, is the investment arm of BCD where we focus on uh, making investments also primarily focused in the restaurant space or in uh, ancillary uh, 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 industries or businesses that are ancillary to the restaurant space, like technology companies or ghost kitchen businesses uh, and things like that. All super exciting. And I think more in the last year, we've seen much more growth in that, for better or worse, than in the actual restaurants themselves. But as we're approaching more people being vaccinated and more people feeling comfortable going out, I think we're starting to see real estate and restaurants start to reopen and some great opportunities. 
I think probably three and six months ago, we were talking about people leaving the city and going into the suburban markets. What are you seeing now that the world is starting to open up a little bit more? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, um, you know, you know, over the summer, you know, um, you know, uh, we were still in the mode where there was very little, you know, movement. Neither landlords were were really trying to, you know, were, were still trying to sort through what this all meant, and 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 uh, restaurant brands were, you know, still trying to figure out what you know what the future looked like. And so there was very little movement. Everyone was just sort of in a holding pattern, and then. Right around uh, Labor Day, there really seemed to be, you know, once summer ended and we, you know, uh, right after Labor Day, it seemed like there was a, a, a real um, push uh, for brands, uh, restaurant brands to try and be opportunistic um, in, the, in the market downturn. So, um, you know, in that time, you know, since the since the start of the third quarter, we've been exceptionally, exceptionally busy um, with restaurant brands who are looking uh, for space. Um, I, I typically, over the past 20 years that, that BCD has been in existence, I've always been very conservative about uh, expansion in New York City. You know, I've always said to, to, to restaurant brands when they're either thinking about expanding in New York City or coming to the New York market for the first time, I've always said, you know, do you really need to be in New York City? It's a very competitive market. It's very challenging for a whole host of reasons. Right. I used, to always, now, tell, I used to always say to people, for better or worse, it's an island unto itself, right? If Just because you succeed here doesn't mean you could succeed off and vice versa. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And and the barriers to entry in New York City are, are so challenging. Again, not just not just the competition, but but things like high rent, high construction costs, the challenges of doing business here you know, challenging um, uh, regulatory uh, issues from the city, uh, challenges with the utility company, et cetera, et cetera. So a lot of reasons, uh, you know, why I was always, I lost probably more business than I earned by telling people not to come to New York right. City. Um, but, but what I've been th- saying over the past few months to anyone who will listen is that this has really been an opportunity of a lifetime. Um, again, of course, this is off the backs of a lot of misfortune of other restaurant brands, but but for those who have uh, access to capital and dry powder, just a, a really once in the rest of our lifetime uh, opportunity um, because of uh, because of, of what we've seen over the past uh, few months in terms right. of low rent, lower rents. And the brands that are being aggressive are names that we know. Are you starting to see people come up with new ideas and new brands or it's smaller brands or larger brands is there any sort of besides for the fact that they have capital available to them is there any other patterns you're seeing uh not really we're seeing a little bit of everything we're actually seeing first-time restaurateurs um uh first-time restaurateurs who happen to again have access to capital and said this is going to be the best time for us to do this um you know landlords um may be willing to take a chance on a first time restaurateur when they weren't, you know, didn't in the past. Um, so we're seeing both, uh, first time restaurateurs. We're seeing a lot of regional growth, you know, regional brands who know the market quite well, um, already, um, trying to be opportunistic. And then we are seeing certainly, uh, brands from outside of the New York marketplace 
who have said this is uh, you know this is going to be our once once in a lifetime entry point into this market, and so uh, we're we're seeing you know that as well. So everything from startups to regional to national and international brands. Awesome, and that's in the urban market. What are you still seeing? I know this time last year, a lot of people, like I said earlier, were leaving the city or looking to grow in some of the suburban markets. So in New York, for example, it might have been Connecticut like Stanford or North Jersey, uh, some of the outer boroughs, are you still seeing that? Or you're seeing more people say, you know what, I'm going to double down on New York. Uh, we were seeing a lot of, uh, restaurant brands that were, you know, that, that are based here in New York saying, well, you know, our, our client base are, you know, our, our Monday through Friday lunchtime, um, customer base is now working from home. Uh, and spending more time in the suburbs if they're not, you know, if they commute in. And so there was a lot of push for uh, urban brands to move out to the suburbs, like you said, uh, Southern Connecticut, like Fairfield County, Westchester County, which is an affluent uh, north, you know, suburb north of New York City, Long Island, certainly one of the most affluent suburbs of New York City, and then northern New Jersey. And so what you're seeing is, um, so you were seeing brands that were looking to open up, you know, uh, beachheads in those suburban markets, and we're still seeing that as well. So, so there's been a combination of both. There's been a, a the, there's been a, a movement to the suburbs, and then continued expansion inside the New York City market. Uh, what what you were seeing as a result of of that with the suburbs is that the prices actually went up outside of New York City, um, whereas there's there was and still are discounts in New York City, you really weren't finding that outside of New York City. Right. And are you starting to see, and as for all the listeners, I think when we use New York and some of the surrounding areas, it's not just New York and the areas. We're seeing, I think, the same trends, whether it be Chicago, Dallas, Los Angeles. It's really any of the major cities, right? Are you feeling that as well? That's correct. Yeah. Yeah, correct. Certainly. I know we're speaking to a, a national and international audience here. So um, you know, our area of expertise is New York City, so so I, I, I focus on that. But at the same time, I will tell you for certain, as you say, it is really a major metropolitan market um, situation. And certainly areas that have that have uh, opened up, reopened to, you know, to varying degrees are affected, you know, relatively. So, but yes, it's a major metropolitan market uh, 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 phenomenon. Okay. Um, before we transition to investment stuff and some of the other uh, fun stuff going on in your life and in the business, what do you think happens to lunch in New York? When do you, if you had to guess, do you have any opinion on that? Yeah, uh, that's been really the, you know, the, the billion dollar question um, lately. Um, you know, sort of going back to what I started saying before is that how conservative I've been in the past you know, and now we're just, we're screaming from the mountaintops that people should be at, you know, be advantageous. Um, I would see that does apply to, um, the lunchtime day part, uh, you know, sort of most, uh, has the most risk, but we also think has the most reward. That's where you're still seeing the, the deepest discounts. Um, I do strongly think that lunch will come back. I feel very strongly. I do think that there's the question of, whether offices, uh, and we do think offices are all going to, uh, not all going to reopen, but we think that there's going to be a general sense of getting back to normal in terms of, of offices, uh, probably um, after the summer, I would say, if I had to, if I had uh -huh. 
put a put a target date. I would say, you know, through the summer, major metropolitan markets will continue to sort of function, you know, growing slowly. And then I think after Labor Day, after the summer, things will come back. Um, but I do think eventually it's going to be. Uh, I think there'll be a, a, a you know, I think there'll be a, a resurgence of of the lunchtime day part. I think that people who commute into the cities may not be in the office five days a week. And so you're definitely, I think there'll be attrition of, I think offices, the majority of offices will reopen. I think the actual body population in those offices may not um, get to what it was. Um, But I do think that again, going to the point of once in a lifetime opportunity, I think your the opportunity to open right now in those markets is so low, whether it's, uh, you know, startup costs and, or, uh, rent that your return on investment, I think will actually, uh, outpace what it was before. So you may not hit top line revenues of what you were used to or projecting prior to COVID, but I think you can actually get an improved return on investment, uh, going forward. Awesome. That's great. So speaking of return on investments, I know that you guys over at BCD, like you said, started a strategic investment group. How, where, when, how, what made you guys get involved in that? Just some great opportunities yeah, coming so, your way. Yeah. So basically what happened was about, uh, it's almost uh, a little over 10 years ago, actually a little over, you know, it's probably about 13 years ago now. Um, we were hired by uh, a private equity group. It was uh, Soros private equity to do some diligence for them on an acquisition they were working on, uh, which was at, uh, which was dinosaur barbecue. So there was, uh, there was a number of, uh, real estate issues, um, that they had to get through in order to make that, a, to make that acquisition. So they hired us to do some consulting on, uh, on that transaction. And it turned out to be protracted for a number of reasons, but we ended up spending probably close to a year doing that, you know, consulting with Soros on that. And as a result of that, uh, when they finally got the, they greenlit the project to go ahead and do the acquisition, they asked if I wanted to sit on the board of directors um, because I had become so, uh, you know, had such, really at that point, had such intimate knowledge. Yeah, I was, I was, I was, I was fully, fully engaged. So uh, they asked if I would sit on the board of directors, and I, I, I gratefully accepted that. And then they asked if I, if our firm BCD wanted to um, do handle the real estate uh, brokerage going forward, and uh, and we gratefully accepted that. And then they asked if we wanted to make an investment as well, and uh, and we gratefully accepted that opportunity. So we basically went from 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 being a service business to then uh, being an investment business. Uh, then, and really, what what was interesting about that particular opportunity was sort of set the stage with the way we think of investments. Most of our investments going forward is that we were able to um, de-risk our investment to some degree by providing. Um, real estate services. Mm-hmm. So we were earning commissions through obviously another entity of our business, but, but earning commissions. And then as a board member, uh, you know, part of that compensation, uh, was, you know, there was additional equity involved in that. So our, our basis for investment um, was much more favorable. And so yeah, that no. was sort of like a, a yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, so 
with ideas like that, it's a great way to start getting involved. And then as you guys continue doing different investments, I know somewhere in restaurants, when you guys, when the team looks to do other restaurant investments, are they always people you're working with? Or I know that obviously the return is much better if you're working with them too, because like you said, it takes some of the risk out, but will you talk to people who you're not invested with, who you're not working with? I'm sorry. Sure. Yeah, sure. No, that's a good question. So basically that, that one, that first opportunity with Soros and with dinosaur barbecue was like a, a sort of like a grand slam, like it, it hit on every, you know, cylinder for us. And, and that became really what we looked for, but those were also those types of opportunities were rare where we could do all of those things. So, um, so the answer is we work, we'll look to make investments and have made investments in companies where we provide those services, uh, where we have no additional um, uh, role as an advisor or a director, um, where we're just purely making an investment. And then uh, any, you know, various combinations and permutations of, of, of that, you know, scenario where in some cases we do provide services, but we're not in an advisory capacity uh, or a director capacity and, and vice versa. So we really look for anything um, uh, you know, all different opportunities that we think we can, um, you know, where we can make money. Gotcha. And then as far as getting a little bit out of the restaurant, direct restaurant space, technology, ghost kitchens, I think every one of our podcasts so far has touched on something ghost kitchen or ghost kitchen related. So thoughts on that or how are you finding those? And is there any trend, I think not necessarily even ghost kitchen, but in the technology side, any trends you're seeing that you just are so into right now? Yeah, I mean, look, ghost kitchens are, you know, interesting. So we, we became investors in Zool, um, which was the first ghost kitchen here in New York City. Um, Zool uh, opened uh, opened a ghost kitchen and then realized that, uh, has to, uh, you know, to use the, the word 2020 pivoted and, um, and really has now focused on their technology uh, that they will, uh, license to other ghost kitchens and landlords and, and other users. Um, but the ghost kitchen business look is certainly interesting. Uh, I think, I think that there is going to be a lot of, you know, at the end of the day, I think there'll end up being a lot of what, you know, there'll be a lot of losers. There'll be a few winners. There'll be a lot of consolidation. Um, I, I do think that the ghost, I think that the, the massive increase in ghost brands, you know, or virtual uh -huh. brands, I think is, is detrimental. I, I do think in general to the, to the industry. I, I, I know, you know, if you want, you know, if you wanted to at one point find a, you know, a, a place to order a hamburger, you know, and you went on one of the third party users um, and, you know, there was a handful of places and now you go on there and there's, you know, there's, 50 places and you only recognize, you know, that same handful of brands. And a lot of it is, you know, is through convenience or through, through price or, or, or through um, speed of service. And I think that's actually detrimental to the overall business. I think it takes away from good brands and, and really dilutes the pool. Um, but uh, I do think that, like I said, there'll be, you know, with, with ghost kitchens, I think there'll be a lot of losers. I think there'll be a few big winners and uh, we're hoping with Zool that, you know, our, our move into the, you know, the, the transition to the technology piece is what differentiates. Um, gotcha. 
you know, us from the others. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then what about other technologies? Anything else that you've seen or have heard of, whether you invested in or not, that you just think is the greatest thing to happen recently? Yeah, well, I, I, I do I do love, I mean, a couple of the other businesses that I described as, you know, restaurant adjacent that we're involved with, all of which I, I'm really excited about um, are um, Seven Rooms. Uh, Seven Rooms is a business that I'm I'm really excited about. We've invested in that business on two separate rounds. Um, it's a uh, for those in the audience who don't know, it's a uh, it's a customer uh, uh, management platform um, that has expanded actually quite a lot in the last year in terms of what it what it provides. Started off as reservations um, and wait list, and now it's moved into a lot of other things like native you know, creating uh, websites for native ordering and, and, and a bunch of other things. But at the end of the day, it's a large, you know, like many of these things, it's a large data aggregator. And uh, what's a little differentiated is that the brands actually own this data, which is very interesting and obviously very uh, compelling. So right. Seven Rooms is one that I'm really excited about. It's led by a great team over there with Ali and Joel. Well, I was going to say, so speaking of that team, when they listen to this, we've been trying to get Ali and or Joel on the podcast. So hopefully when they listen, they'll come on now. <laughs> Got to get them on. <laughs> um, yeah, they're great. So, um so that's seven rooms. Uh, another one we've just gotten involved with is a business that, again, that's restaurant adjacent. Is a business called Mies, M-I-S-E, uh, which is a meal kit delivery uh, business, not dissimilar from Blue Apron and HelloFresh in that, you know, you order meal kits to be prepared at home, except the differentiator here is that the kits come from restaurants. Um, so basically the idea is that it creates an additional stream of revenue for restaurants by taking their mise, mise en place, that they're preparing and, and on, a, on a regular basis and actually putting it out in fresh meal kits uh, for local delivery um, for local delivery. So it's a great business, uh, which I love. Uh, I, I, you know, over, over, over COVID the past year, you know, like many people, I did blue apron, I did hello fresh. I tried all the things and I, I found that I loved it at first. And then I got pretty tired of, of doing that stuff. And I'm not, I'm not a chef by any means. Um, but the, you know, the prep and all of that was the part that was, was challenging for me after a while. And so, and I also didn't know what I wanted to order like well ahead of time. And so this, I could literally just be like, you know, tomorrow I want to order, um, you know, something, um, you know, from one of the restaurants on the platform and I can have it there the next day and it's already prepped and it takes, you know, 20 minutes instead of an hour. Um, so I love that business. I'm really excited about that one. Rob's a great entrepreneur who started that. Um, and then the last one I would say that, that we're involved in this past year is a company called Gibbs, which is not specific to the restaurant industry, although we're really trying to expand it into the restaurant industry. But it's a, a way to reward customers, uh, companies to reward customers with uh, dollars to donate to the charity of their choice. So for instance, you go and you you order, uh, you know, a hundred dollars from the Smith, uh, you know, a hundred dollars worth of uh, food from the Smith. And then, uh, as an example, I'm not saying uh, this is their specific offer, but, uh, but, you know, then the Smith will give their guests back $5 to donate to the charity of their choice. So basically it's a triple win gives earns, uh, you know, some, some fees on the transaction, the Smith, um, is uh, able to incentivize people by selling, um, 
you know, by giving uh, their guests something a little extra uh, other than just the food that they deliver and obviously engaging with their clients and learning more about their clients again at data play. And then of course the charities get uh, any, every, every U S registered U S charity is on the platform. So it gives people a, an opportunity to invest in whatever interest, uh, I'm sorry, donate to whatever interests them. So yeah, no, that's a really interesting business. Yeah. And I actually had a chance to meet Andrew when he was starting the company Andrew yeah. at gives and I was just so blown mm-hmm. away by what he was doing. And so when you mentioned it to me, I guess it's over a year ago at this point that you were involved. It was yeah. really exciting to see just great people coming together with great ideas. So I yeah, think that, right. yeah. So I think that we really were almost out of time. I think that this was a great conversation. I love hearing what's going on in the New York market with real estate. I like hearing about all new technologies. As always, thank you for your time. And I look forward to seeing you soon. And thank you, everyone, for listening. My pleasure. I really enjoyed being here. Thank you for listening to BDO To Go. Past episodes and related insights are available at bdo.com slash bdo to go. Or you can go to iTunes or Spotify to rate, review, share, or subscribe to this podcast. The views expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect the views of BDO. For more information on BDO's restaurant industry practice and the resources we provide, visit www.bdo.com slash restaurants.